Welcome to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I am your host today, Yasmin, and I am joined by Robel. He is an MBA YouTuber. Um, his channel is called Submian Coach. I suggest everyone check it out. It provides really cool analysis of players and teams and prospects and drafts and, and, and everything. So um, what was the most recent video you did? Was it the RJ Barrett one? Yeah, it's the RJ Barrett one. Okay. Like talking about rookie season and stuff like that. Okay, so I'm definitely going to check that one out because I think he's a very interesting player, <laughs> very misunderstood. So we're gonna today we're gonna actually go over the NBA draft, the 2020 draft. Um, it's it's so strange even talking about it. It's like the last thing on everyone's mind, but like it's kind of a necessity even if we don't know what's happening with the season. Um, it usually would happen in the off season. Do, how do you think they're going to go about it this year? Um, they reported that I think they're doing it in August or something like that. I've seen like August, September. So okay. uh, they're, yeah, they're definitely going to do it later. But yeah, the pre-draft workouts and all stuff like that's probably going to be like way different. They're just going to do a whole lot of interviews, I guess, instead of, you know, actually getting to see these guys work out. So it's going to be interesting, like just to see um, NBA teams like philosophies of what players they like, what skill sets they like, and stuff like that. So it's going to be that's different gonna be, for sure. That's going to be strange because I hear, like, so many stories of, like, draft workouts about how, like, the staff of the, like, the work, the training staff fell in love with this player because of his workout. So, like, when that doesn't happen, I wonder how it's going to affect, like, the entire process because there's so many stories of someone not liking the workout and completely passing on a player. Yeah, it's just uh, good teams and good organizations who did the research are going to, you know, do well. And bad teams who didn't are just going to do worse. It's just like, just have to make sure that you did your research and stuff like that. And then you have like good scouting personnel and stuff. That's what you really have to rely on this year. Got it. So um, I'm going to, I want to talk about the lottery first. And unlike last season, this season... The top five, I'd say, is kind of very depending on which um, mock draft on, on whatever website that you look at. So I want to hear from you. Who do you think is going to go as number one uh, through five? Um, just, you know, based on what you've seen from them, uh, based on your own judgment. Um, and maybe we check on like a couple of other prospects in the lottery as well. All right. So, um I definitely have LaMelo and Anthony Edwards in contention for the number one pick. It's like 1A, 1B for me. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, they both have the highest upside and stuff like that. And then you have um, other guys who might have a lower upside, but uh, their outcome is much more realistic, like uh, Achille and Hayes, who's uh, also a really good player, really good point guard. He's like 6'5", so um, that's real solid size. And then you also have Aneka Kongwu, who I think is the best big in the draft, even though a lot of people are saying uh, James Wiseman is. And mm. I yeah, don't I'm looking at think... Tankathon, and they have him as number one. Yeah. And I just, I think, like, I'd rather have him as low as 10, to be honest, because I just think his skill set and just his value as a big man is not worth a top five pick. But Aneka Kangu, I feel like, 
His is because he has much more like defensive versatility and just is like smarter and just higher motor and just stuff like that. Even though he doesn't have the size that Wiseman has, it's like Wiseman's like uh, calling card is his size and stuff like that. So it's like I don't really see him anything being more as like a, a decent rim protector and like a rim runner, and that's not someone that you draft, but, like, a top three pick. So, you know what I'm saying? So, so do you think it will be highly effective, like, for this year in particular, just whatever team draws the number one pick, the number two pick, the number three pick, do you think they're just going to draft according to their needs, not based on who should be number one? So, like, you, do you see the Warriors having the number one pick and getting a Lamella ball? Um, I see them getting. Um, I think I'd rather see them getting Anthony Edwards. I think Lamelo Ball's like um, as a prospect and as a like uh, upside type of player. It's like he's really high. People could like you know definitely see that he has like a real high. Um, he has like a crazy potential to become like a like a top ten player in the NBA. But that's like really unreal unrealistic, and he has like a really low floor. So. Right away, especially in that Warriors system, I don't think he can like uh, contribute contribute that much to winning. Whereas Anthony Edwards can just come off the bench and just become a scorer right away. You know, what I'm saying like that's his calling card. It's just his scoring ability and like his scoring versatility and his size. So I think they'll probably draft Anthony Edwards. But to answer more of your question, um, there's gonna be yeah, it's gonna probably be most like team fit and stuff like that. But some teams like the Cavs. They definitely have to just go best player available and just pick like Lamelo, even though they have like two guards. Oh my and, god! Can you imagine? Because <laughs> it's just time. Like you have two small guards. No, I I think they should actually just draft a big. Uh, uh, I mean a guard because I don't think they should have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland in the future. Like I think they should just break that off right away. It yeah. already shown that's work. Like they, you know, I think you probably like trade Sexton. Yeah, and that's just, what I would do. Uh, yeah, because I think Garland has more upside. Mm-hmm. And Sexton has probably more value at this point because of his scoring ability. But yeah, I think you draft like Lamelo or Killian if you're one of those guys. And then Obi Toppin's also a guy that's uh, a best player available type of guy. It's like uh, he doesn't really fit for a lot of teams because of his defensive um, shortcomings. But his offensive like production is like really pretty valuable in today's NBA so you probably draft him even though it doesn't really fit with your team so him and um if you're the Cavs or something like that then you probably have to like ignore team fit and just draft like what the best player right so as for the top 14 how, who do you who do you see being immediately productive on an NBA team because as we know like for a rookie, some you you have the expected struggle, but there are some that come in and instantly find a fit and instantly work in a system and instantly find kind of their identity as role players. So who do you see that in the lottery? Uh, definitely Aneka Okongwu, a big man from USC. He's like six nine, a little bit undersized, but he's like a really good defender, probably the best defender in the class. A uh, really good rebounder, has a high motor. He played with LaMelo Ball and Lonzo Ball and Chino Hills, actually, for that. Uh, I think they went, like, 40 and 0 in high school, and mm-hmm. he was, like, a freshman big, and he was, like, um, a really good rim protector already at that age, and it was really impressive. He draws some comparisons to Bam, 
Um, I think those comparisons are actually pretty fair, except for the passing, which he has to develop and like a jump shot. But he's just gonna contribute right away for sure. And then you have guys like uh, Devin Vassell, who's a three and D guy, uh, three and D wing, who's also um, the best team defender in the class, and that's gonna translate right away. Like if you put him on the Wolves or something like that, he definitely just raises the floor. Or like a team like the Suns, you just he can like get get them to the playoffs just by his value on defense and his shooting and he has a he even has like pull up a pull up jumper potential so he he has like some upside as a creator even so guys like him yeah even Maxi Tags Maxi is pretty underrated by the um, draft express like boards like he's like thirteenth but I think he'll be like the best player in the draft. Well, I think he has potential to be the best player in the draft because his floor is pretty high. And I just bet on his scoring skills and that he'll just improve as a passer. So, yeah, definitely uh, Maxi, Okongwu, Vassell, and maybe even Okoro because of his defense, but he can't really shoot. So it's like, you know, you can like Ben Simmons him even what some college teams did. Yeah, definitely those three for sure, though. So moving down the board towards the bottom, like I guess the bottom ten, so twenty to thirty in the first round. Um, who do you see being drafted by the top teams in either conference? So the ones that aren't getting the lottery picks. You think it's so we could do flat. we could do like the top three in each conference. So for um, the East, it would be the uh, Bucks, Raptors, Celtics. I'm actually interested in what the Celtics are going to do. I'm always interested to see what they do with their picks. They'll probably draft a big man just for insurance because um, I don't think if if Stice ever gets hurt, I don't want Ennis Cantor starting for my team. I know they have Robert Williams, but like just someone that could contribute right away. I feel like he's still a bit of a project. So even get a guy like um, Xavier Tillman, who we're going to talk about later, would help that team right away and would raise their floor. But yeah, I think they would just draft a center. I, I would just um, tell them to draft Xavier Tillman, to be honest. Or and actually, do you see yeah, the do you see the Bucks going for a point guard? Um, it depends because I know Dante David Chancel is more of a two, but he has shown that yeah. he could be a prime sometimes. So the they, I, I guess they'll probably draft a point guard. They'll probably draft like um, a guy that could just become the spark plug. Like Devin Dotson would be pretty good for them. Six uh, one guard from Kansas. He's a sophomore, so he's pretty young too. He's really quick. Um, he has a really nice jumper, even though it didn't really go in this season. And <clears throat> like he shot like twenty five percent, but like his form is like really clean, and he has pretty good mm-hmm. touch. So I think he'll definitely like be. At, able to provide like a scoring punch off the bench right away and gives them more athleticism they don't really have like crazy athletes like that or like crazy quick guys like that and i think they they would need that just moving forward especially in like the guard position yeah i think that's what dante has been for them this season which is why he's kind of like a like a spark plug for the team because he gives them that kind of bounce that they don't really have at every position so who do you think that the Raptors are going to go for? Because I'm seeing a lot of different um, projections on different websites. But who do you think, based on your judgment? 
Um, for sh- okay, so I have like three, four guys that I think they should draft. Obviously, um, I'm gonna address the draft needs first, and I definitely think we should either draft a guard or a big man, prefer be a center mm-hmm. forward, obviously. And yeah, we should kind of stray away from wings. To be honest, I think we're good. Yeah, I think they're kind of. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was thinking. I feel like um, the the center position and the point guard position are the thinnest on the team right now. Um, Mm. But when it comes to twos, threes, um, fours, I guess. But I feel like right now they have a lot of people being worked on in the G League and stuff and developing. But when it comes to the the ones and the fives, yeah, there's like there's not many options. The options that they do have are super high quality, but in terms of developing youthful players, they're not really there. So that's what I was looking at. Um, so who are your who are your prospects? All right. Uh, so my number one is probably my favorite prospect in the draft. I just love watching him. Literally, like I don't even watch him just to scout. I just watch him just for fun. Um, his name is Xavier Tillman. Like I. I said um, he's a 6'8", 245-pound big from Michigan State. He's uh, he's 21 years old. He, he just finished his junior season. And you might be thinking, oh, 6'8", I'm kind of out on him already. He has like a 7'2 wingspan. But just the way he plays, like, I just bet <clears throat> on his, like, I just bet on his IQ and his defensive, um, him being an amazing, like, defensive rotational big to, like, um... What's it called? Kind of mid, like kind of Kate. Uh, how do I say it? What's the word to kind of overcome his um, his height and stuff like that? So he's like a really impactful big. The main thing that I love about him is his passing. Like if you love mm-hmm. Marcus All on the Raptors, you're gonna love Xavier Tillman right away. It's pretty easy to see that. Um, yeah, I was three assists in college which is pretty impressive because he had, like, a ball-dominant guard in Cassius Winston, who's one of the best guards in college. And he can pass on the post. He can pass it a short roll. I mean, he can pass in the, um, in the from the high block, too. And he's just, like, a very smart player. And he just con- contributes to winning right away. Um, his defense is uh, really amazing. He has um, – he's really strong, like – He's 250, even though he's 6'8". So he's really strong. Yeah. And even, like, seven-footers, like, NBA-sized bigs with, like, Luke Garza, he's, like, a seven-footer, and he's a really good college basketball player. And he was trying to post him up all the time. But Xavier Tillman mm-hmm. watches much film that he knew, like, all his tendencies. So if he would, like, try to turn around with, like, a jump hook, Xavier Tillman would already be there before he even turned around. And he would just, like, throw up something bad. Like, he'll embarrass you on live TV if you're trying to, go against him and I feel and team shot like 38% at the rim against Xavier Tillman now that's that that is probably going to be lower like his rim protection is probably going to be lower because you know NBA level athletes but just being there already as a rotational guy is enough for me and if he consistently does that which I think he will and he has that passing ability and like touch around the rim finishing I think he'll definitely just even become a starter in today's NBA. Now, there's a swing skill that he has to hit, and that's uh, shooting. He shot, he attempted threes. He shot 1.6 threes a game, which I guess you could say attempted, but he only made like 29%. So I think he, he that's the one thing that he has to improve on um, to be like a top value guy 
as a big man and just a draftable guy at 30 because I don't think a lot of bigs are draftable in the <laughs> first round. But, yeah, I definitely think – I believe in shooting projection because of his touch at the rim is amazing. And he has he, – he's already attempting them. And I don't believe that the Raptors would stray away from that, even though he's a 6 Yeah, they seem to – they seem to like the challenge of non-shooters. Yeah, it's like they don't really care about like three-point percentage like that, and especially if he's shown like um, decent indicators, then yeah, they should take a swing on him. He definitely just will improve our team right away. Just coming off the bench, he'll he'll be like an <laughs> offensive hub. I don't think we have a lot of playmakers off the bench. Like we have Patrick McCaw running the offense. Like I don't want to talk bad about him, but you know, I'd rather just throw it down low to Xavier Tillman and have like our wings cut. And that would be pretty productive on offense. He's just, yeah, I just love him. Just a really good around player. Just um, the only thing that is negative about him that he can't fix is his vertical. Like, you know, uh, Brandon Clark. Is, yeah, he doesn't really jump. But he's also, like, a little uh, bigger. So I think he's going to have to lose weight. I think in college it helped him. But I think he's going to have to lose a little weight. He's still pretty nimble for his size, but... I think he's going to have to improve on that vertical. <clears throat> but just being an amazing, like, rotational defender and already being there and being strong, it's like, it would, um, you know, that would benefit him. And I think that's why he'll be a decent rim protector and, like, amazing team defender, amazing uh, passer. And I think he'll be able to shoot and even have clo- people close out on him. And I think, you know, that's a really good player for the Raptors. So, yeah, that's definitely number one on my big board. For the Raptors, so. Okay, so how about for uh, point guard? For point guard, all right, so I have two. Uh, I'm going to start with Grant Riller first. Uh, I'm going to start off saying he's the best finisher in college basketball, him and Obi Toppin. But Obi Toppin is a big man, so it's, you know, easier for him. But Grant Riller is 6'3", 190-pound uh, guard from Charleston. He kind of, he looks a lot like Van Vliet. So people are automatically going to make that comparison, but they Sorry, play a lot. Can you say his different. name again? I think it cut off. Say his name Gra- again. Graham Riller. Okay, got it. Graham Riller. So yeah, he looks a lot like Van Vliet, but he plays a lot different. He gets to the rim, literally like every, every time he wants to. Like he's so explosive. His first step is amazing. Um, when people are saying that this guy like gets to the rim every time before I watch I'm just like I was kind of skeptical because I watched Van Vliet struggle to get to the rim you know Van Vliet's like pretty horrible at that but um Grant really is like amazing at getting to the rim he has a he has a good handle but he doesn't even need to use it because he's just quicker than everybody else and as a shooter he's really good um only shot 35% which might turn off some people but he shot a lot of like off movement threes step back threes and like his shot selection was like a bit crazy, but he was making them. So, and as a, what's it called? I think he'll ha- have some value as an off-ball player because he shot 40% on catch and shoot threes. So I definitely think he's actually a better shooter than giving credit for. Um, as a shot creator, he's really good as well. I, I Like I said, he uh, step backs, um, side steps, and just creates so much space and is able to, you know, really hurt teams with his shot creation ability. And I think he's probably the best off the dribble um, shot creator in this draft. And that's what this draft lacks. And that's what you need for a a point guard that's an initiator, which I think he's like a really safe bet on because 
this pull-up shooting is amazing, and that's what you need as a as a point guard initiated prospect. So um, one of one of his negatives is uh, the defense. He's one of those James Harden type of guys. It's like I have a huge offensive load to carry, so I'm not going to try on defense. But mm-hmm. whenever, yeah, he has some flashes. I think he's he's pretty compact. Like he's not someone that you can like post up and like you know bully and like target on defense. Like he's Trey Young or something like that. He's he's taller. Slow feet he's strong. or fast feet? He has quick feet. Like he's really Robot. explosive on defense. So. Yeah, when he actually like slides with guards, I feel like he can really contain them. I think he can guard two positions. He can guard the one and the two. And yeah, um, team defense is something that's taught on the Raptors. You know, he's going to see everyone playing defense. He's going to, you know, learn because of that. And I definitely think he's not going to be lazy on defense in the NBA because he's not going to have nearly that much of uh, that usage that he had in college. And he's going to be coming off the bench. So what do guards do right when they come off the bench? They have to guard full, full um, 94 feet. They're trying to impress the coach. And, you know, he can really do that. And he has a skill level to do that. He has the ability to do that. So he's going to bring that out in the NBA for sure. So I definitely think that um, usually when, when uh, we go, like, down lower to the guards, some of these guys have, like, a chance to become just, just to end up becoming backup which is not good because, you know, backups are replaceable. But I think out of all of these guys um, around the 28th pick, he has, like, the most uh, realistic outcome as a starter. So, yeah, that's Grant Really, I really like him. Um, one, also a small dancer, he's, like, he's pretty old. He's, like, a senior, so he's, like, 23 years old. Same age oh, as, yeah. That, that doesn't, but, that's not really a deterrent for the Raptors, really. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, like, I'd rather have that than a freshman to be honest. And the only freshman I would consider transitioning to Tyrell Terry. Now, a lot of people have been talking about him. I've seen the ringer put him eighth in the in their board, which is pretty crazy, to be honest. But, I mean, if you, he's probably more of a project. He's 6'1", 160 pounds. As small as he looks, to be honest, he looks like a high schooler. So it's like you know you can see like the negative. Wait, how much? How are, much is um? How much does um? Where, where, uh, Trey Young weigh? Um, I He's think the smallest probably. player I can think of. I think Trey Young probably weighs like one seventy or something like that. So yeah, that's the that's God the man, problem with how Terry. Like he's definitely gonna be a project. Definitely not gonna you know gonna pick up some G League minutes. A lot of them. They had him at eight. Like that. Yeah, had him at eighth. I've seen him in the 30s on most of the boards yeah. I've been looking at. Yeah, because, you know, boards and, like, mocks are different. So, because mocks are, like, you know, um, people like people that make mocks, like Draft Express and stuff like that, have, like, intel yeah. on NBA, uh, you know? Oh, I NBA. see. Okay. So, so they're, like, they're predicting. Yeah, they're predicting what they pick. They don't think, oh, this is the best choice, personally, for them. So, okay. um, yeah, Tyrell Terry... Um, his shooting, he's like one of the best shooters in the draft, if not the best. Hits NBA threes off the movement. Um, definitely going to add some value for that. That's the reason why he's going to stay in the NBA. Good shooter. Um, he's going to obviously have to add some strength. Even, and it shows even if it's in his shooting because if he's shooting a deep three, he does this. Um, he flails his legs for more power, which looks like a kid doing it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, definitely needs to add some strength, which I think he will. 
Um, the reason why I kind of like him is because read an article and he really like hates when uh, people like doubt him because of his um, his height. I, I mean, he's not even that short, but like just his stature and stuff like that. And he has like a huge chip on his shoulder and his skill level oh, okay. is there. And I feel like, you know, a lot of Raptors players have been down. Like Larry, you know, he got the starting spot and then they just drafted, you know, Mike Conley, Grizzlies. They told Terrence Davis, just play football. Like, you know, counting out Norman Powell, Van Lee was undrafted. You know, it's Siakam mm-hmm. had some hardship. So all like these guys could all relate. And this is like, you know. It's a culture uh, thing. They're just, yeah, it's like, it's a misfits like thing, right? So yeah, it fits like that, and I definitely think he has like the skill level and upside of uh, uh definitely like a lottery to top ten guy. So if the Raptors really wanna you know have a guy that they want to de- use their development staff and you know the best development staff in the league, no bias there, but just um just to use that on a project like Tyler Terry, then I definitely think they should draft him. He's also young. He's um he's a freshman, so. Okay, yeah. yeah, he's really young. Yeah. So, so I have a question. Do you? We've heard rumors about. Um, I think within the last uh, couple of days about the Raptors possibly trading Larry and company um, right. in order to um, in order to get a um, a shot at a Lamelo Ball. So um, I personally don't think it's it makes any sense. But uh, I want to ask: Do you see them? Um, trading assets in order to move up the board? Do you think it's worth it this year? Do you see it happening? Definitely not worth it this year. I don't see it happening at all. I don't think Lamelo's a guy that the Ratches um, would like unless they would just really like bet on his upside. But he's not someone that you really like want to trade up for because his his outcome is not really realistic. And especially if you're going to draft Larry or like multiple players. Like, I just don't see that happening. And I don't, you know, believe the sources that said that tweet either. It's like Rashard Phillips. Like, if Rashard Phillips' Raptors sources are real, then my Raptors sources are real, to be honest. So, I don't know. I don't really trust them. Why Why do you think uh, a rumor with that, like, that would begin? Would, is it like, um, like a Smokes. draft stock thing? Do you think it's to increase value or something like that? There's a, there's a Philly connection with Lowry, you know, going, trading to, being traded yeah. to, you know, Sixers stuff like that. Um, I actually don't know. Like, I um, yeah, I don't know. It's a smokescreen, I guess, but I don't know why they would release a smokescreen or like a real rumor during this time. Like the draft's not going to be for a couple months, so I don't know why they would, and I don't think they should. And I think they should have some pushback on it. If it does happen, I will be open to the idea because I'm more of a I love young players just in general. To be honest, yeah, so. I'm not opposed to the idea of even like trading Larry. Like uh, he he is my favorite Raptor, but um, moving him after a championship in order to like if it was towards a prospect with so much upside, I would totally be into the idea. But the trade sounded like it would be possible to trade Larry and somebody else just for Ben Simmons straight up. And I would rather have Ben Simmons than a LaMelo ball. <laughs> like I'm totally into the idea of trading like a Lowry and OG into a Ben Simmons or something like that. But um, mm. the idea of doing it for like an 18 year old or something, it just, it, it, it didn't seem like it made sense for me. Like, I don't know. Like even next year, I'm really into like the, the tw- 2021 <laughs> draft class 
be way better. It would make more sense if we did it the next year because I think the top prospect is like a generational point guard, like six seven. But we don't have to talk about him that much. But yeah, just Lamelo is just not that prospect to do that for. No one, no one in this draft class is a prospect to like really trade up for. To be honest, I don't think any team should really trade up except if like they're the. I'm not to be honest. Even the Knicks shouldn't even trade up. No one should be trading really up for like Lamelo Ball. To be honest, uh, yeah. So um, my next question is: there are a couple of um, players that I'm seeing on the boards that Raptors fans are talking about, and I want to know your opinion on them and their strengths, their weaknesses, um, and how it would you know translate into the NBA. So the first one is Trey Jones. I've been hearing a lot about. So yeah. what is your opinion on Trey Jones from Duke? Um, don't really like him. Don't think he's going to be a starting point guard. Draft a backup point guard. We sh- No, just drafting a guy that you think is going to be uh, like a 50% chance to be a backup in his whole career, then you shouldn't be drafting him, especially in the first round. Like Backup point guard, there's like three in, Euro- in the EuroLeague right now. You can just sign like a bad Wanamaker every single year you can literally draft like i mean you can sign one in the summer league i don't think trey jones is a is a good defender but he's a point of attack defender he's not like someone that's gonna impact team defense and i think point of attack is really overrated like patrick beverly's defense on the ball okay yeah it's cool but at the end of the day you're 6-1 you're not gonna impact you know um rotations and stuff like that so it's like i don't think his value is like really the high defense um, still has shooting inconsistency, of course. Still is a small guard. I just don't see. Um, doesn't really have a great pull-up jump shot that you need for a starting initiator. And yeah, I'm just I'm kind of low on him to be honest. So I don't I don't I wouldn't pick him over Grant Riller. Um, who else? Uh, Tyrell Terry for sure. And even Mal- guys like Malachi Flynn, who I think um, have like a lower chance of being a starting point guard, but they're way better shooters and. They're way more polished. So, yeah, I don't really like Trey Jones, to be honest. So, And I think it's fair criticism to him, not because of, like, a personal dislike or anything. So, um, the next guy, I just watched highlights of, like, him the other day because I heard his name floating around. Um, so, center from Kansas State, uh, Udoku Azubuki. I saw his highlights. I like the idea of him being that off-the-bench lob threat for the Raptors. Mm-hmm. But I'm not sure. Um, I don't know. I find that his I find that his size will translate really well to the league. But I want to hear from you what you think his shortcomings are or his strengths and what whether it would fit for the Raptors. Because to me, when I was watching his highlights, I'm like, whoa, this is like exactly like what we need. He's kind of like a Chris Boucher, but with more mass, and he mm-hmm. could be that really powerful role man that I've always saw, that I've always envisioned playing alongside a Fred VanVleet or a Kyle Lowry. So what do you think? Yeah, um, I actually like him, but I, I don't think we should be drafting with a first-round pick because that's not, where his, uh, that's not where he's mocked. He's like really mocked in like the 40s, 50s. Definitely think mm-hmm. if, if he's there at the 58th pick because, yeah, if he's there at the 58th pick, I'll definitely pick him because... yeah. Just, and there's a Nigerian motive as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that too. And um, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's he's a big man, uh, rebounds, could kind of protect the rim, and doesn't really do much else. So, and 
Yeah, you can see where the value is. He's also kind of an older player. I'm pretty sure he's a junior or senior. And yeah, he's a tall guy. It kind of reminds me of like a poor man's white side. So I think he could provide value. Uh, definitely don't think like first round talent. But if mm-hmm. you're if, for a second round pick, yes, I would take it. So yeah, I'll, I kind of like him. Okay, so moving on from this draft, um, I think you suggested we discuss this, and I thought it was a good idea. Um, so we so we know now the Raptors, who they chose in the 2018-2019 draft, um, and the un- undrafted players that they also acquired through signings. Um, and we should discuss kind of the uh, future for these players and how we see them developing in the Raptor system and I guess we could also discuss what we see as their absolute ceiling or the absolute potential that they could reach for the Raptors. So um, maybe we talk about... OG. I'm trying to think. Let's just talk about yeah, OG, OG Yeah, OG was like, <laughs> I guess, I, I was thinking more of the players from last season precisely that, we, that they got, but we oh. could totally discuss OG because he is so young. He's only like, what, in his third year now, so... Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could uh, talk about OG. Um, you know... Right now, really good 3 and D player. One of the best on-ball defenders in the league. Especially, like, uh, yeah, we're just one of the best wing defenders in the NBA. Really underrated player. Shoots threes. He hits them at a de- decent clip. Um, definitely want to see more attempts or just more overall aggression on offense. But then again, you have Ibaka on the team. And he's, like, Ibaka has a lot of usage. And they really, really think about it. It's like, Kyle Lowry needs touches. Siakam needs touches. Van Vliet, Norm. Um, who else? Did I mention Ibaka? Yeah, that's five players. And then you have OG as a sixth option. So I get OG's like mindset. It's like, okay, I'm I'm playing my role. I'm going to play defense. If I get the ball and I'm open, I'm going to shoot it. But I'm going to kind of keep it conser- conservative. Yeah. Which is what I, I kind of, I'm just like, okay, I'm cool with it. But at the end of the day, like your youngest player, I, and he has like upside, especially like just sometimes like as a driver, or like just attacking close just when he's just aggressive and locked in on offense just trying to score he's hard to stop he's, he's really, hard to stop yeah. in terms of size and i think that maybe it's his youth but he sometimes doesn't realize that <laughs> like yeah. there are very few players that can actually stop og because he's so gigantic um mm. and so for me like that's why recently like i seen the discussion of um whether the Raptors could keep Serge or Mark because it's highly doubtful that they can keep retain both. And to me, I think the clear choice is to keep Mark because there would be that drop in usage at the center position that can be spread out to Norm and OG, who I think really need to see an increase in touches because Norm has been such a, a proven scorer this season and because OG needs those repetitions. Like, he's he's shown that he can improve if he gets those touches. Um, But right now, he's kind of at the bottom of the offensive totem pole. And understandably so. There are better scorers above him right now getting more touches. But um, I think the Raptors want to see him develop that part of his game. But also, I would like for him to develop that part of his game after he's (laughs) re-signed. Because I feel like his value would spike so astronomically if he becomes a scorer on top of being such a powerful... um, Already on top of being on such such a um, catch-and-shoot threat, being an amazing defender. He's already among the best 3-and-D guys in the NBA. Yeah, yeah, definitely What one of the things he has to improve, though, is his handle. 
Because sometimes, like, he'll be like, okay, I'm trying to score. And then he, he like, bobbles the ball. And he's just like, okay, scoring mode is like, done. Pass it off to the wing or something like that. But he has some flashes, like, some really small flash space. I know someone had a thread about it. I think uh, his name is, like, Sports Guy 51. Uh, really good. Uh, knows a lot about the Raptors. And he had, like, a thread about OG, like, flash plays and just things he has to improve on on his just uh, shot creation. But yeah, there's some upside. He's just when you really use that shoulder and like puts in some so much chest, they just go flying. And he needs to just really, yeah, just use his body, just be more aggressive. And just um Raptors fans also have to realize like we can still win with OG trying to develop. And OG also has to realize as a player himself, it's like, okay, they really need you to score the ball if we're gonna win, if Ibaka doesn't stay. Because you can't just rely on Ibaka scoring 18 points. Just because you had, like, what, you shot, like, two for five from the field. No, just keep shooting. You know what I'm saying? For OG's upside, um, he's an interesting one because uh, I think that when we're discussing players, it's important to talk about their mentality, like, as cliche as it seems. Some people are not born scorers. Yeah. Like, just, just, that's just how they are. They're just, it's not in their demeanor. Like, Pascal is a scorer, you know, but Ben Simmons is not a, he's not a scorer. That's not in his blood. It's something that he's going to have to build towards. And it doesn't change the fact that they're probably equal as players. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but so when it comes to OG, like he's so hard to read. <laughs> like he literally has no, like there, there, there are games where he gets like five points. And then there are games where he'll have 25, 30 points. And I'm just like, he can be that scorer. Like he has like that kind of, it's hard to describe, but if he's if OG is rolling, like he's very hard to stop. Yeah, and I can see him being kind of. That's why the Kawhi comparison is so right, because you could easily say like, look at a rookie or a sophomore Kawhi and be like, oh no, that guy's not really a scorer. It's not really in his demeanor. He's going to be a role player forever. But then you see he they just have that um, will to win and that's that's the thing about OG you see it in the way he plays defense you don't play defense with like that kind of high Q high IQ unless you have that desire to win because defense is not easy you know what I mean so yeah. um the fact that he's so successful in the details of the game and that he can give you 20 points if you need it I can see him being like a, a bona fide score I can I can see him maybe peaking as like a 18 to 21 points per guy per game guy because I don't think he's ever going to be the lead scorer on the Raptors and I see him as a Raptor into his prime so that's how I see it for OG he'd probably be like a I think he peaks as a third scorer mm-hmm. for the team yeah I feel you. um yeah I guess we just have to address the Kawhi thing because um a lot of people even get mad at Raptors fans calling him the next Kawhi but it's just it's not really about like his upside. It's about yeah. It's how not about being they, the best player in the NBA because yeah. But it's just even like how they move. They both have big hands. Like the way they play defense is pretty similar. I think his defensive upside could be like Kawhi. Which oh yeah. Is, you know, no, I actually yeah. think it's gonna be. I I am not even kidding when I say I can I can see OG being an even better defender because he has this um kind of athleticism that I don't think Kawhi. I had yes. maybe he had it for a glimpse in his defense player of the year season, but it's he kind of lost that athleticism and that durability very quickly. Whereas I think OG's quickness and how he he's so big but he's so light on his feet 
Like I think I think that it might might even give him an edge, and he's only twenty two years old. Like that's insane to me. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, but yeah, just just scoring wise, I just feel like just comparing guys uh, that just can't like aren't really scores yet to Kawhi or Butler. Like having that upside is kind of really unfair because it's not really any other players other than Kawhi or Jimmy who reached that you know that type of player, and that takes like a lot of hidden hidden talent and like crazy work ethic like you know why Jimmy Butler's work ethic is crazy and stuff like that mm. and yeah just I, I I think I have a comparison of for OG like kind of reaching a ceiling of what type of play he'll be and it might sound crazy but uh, it's kind of like Otto Porter the year um, before he got the super max his max extension when he mm-hmm. averaged like 18 he shot like Really good from three on high volume. Was a good defender. I think people are still probably, clinging to that auto porter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A lot of people still are, but like, nah, he's not like that at all. But yeah, just like, um, but probably more like off the dribble creation for OG because I do think he flashes that. And if Ibaka like leaves or something like that, or Norm leaves, mm-hmm. oh, we'll get to develop that more while we're winning games and he'll have to be relied upon to score. And I feel like you can just bring that toughness out of him. On offense, because I've even seen like some games, he's just like, like the the Nuggets game is something that, that I that was insane. That's like because at this point, what when OG is successful, we have to understand like the the league has him on the scouting report now. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they know him as that guy who will shoot. He's an uh, excellent defender. Like probably don't have your um, don't run all the offense through the ball handler who's going to be guarded by OG. You know what I mean? Yes. Like we even saw every game that he's playing and the lead score is a small forward. It's going to be a low field goal attempted game for that opposition small forward yeah. against OG. You know what I mean? But yeah. like they know him. So when he has a game where he just goes off, it's because, you know, he's that kind of player. Like that's how I feel right now. Like if if um, if Terrence Davis has an excellent game, I'm just like, you know, he's still a rookie. He People don't really know him, his game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, when OG goes out and does, like, a seven-steal, 32-point game, like, that's a testament to the kind of player that he is and the, the type of player that he can be. It's his third year, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So just talking about de- his defense, when people always love to use matchup data and how much someone shoots when someone's guarding him, and I don't think that's accurate because there's guys like OG is, like, a perfect example of why that shouldn't be used because I was looking into it and – People don't even shoot when yeah. OG's guarding them. And if they do shoot, it's like OG's like out of position, which is rare. So, and like they'll take like, what, like four shots, be like two for four, and then they'll be like, oh, opponents shoot 50% when OG's guarding them, opposed to like 40%. When, you yeah, know, they do it on like, like you saw uh, with uh, Kawhi and LeBron James and, you know, even James Harden in the past. Like they don't attempt even 10 shots for players who average like 20 shot attempts. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it, it means that they're not running their offense through their star players when OG's on the court. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, definitely just, um, yeah, OG's, OG's going to be good, man. I just, you know, kind of chill with the Kawhi comparisons, but mm-hmm. on defense, yeah, keep, keep that agenda going, though. Keep that agenda going just on the defense. <laughs> No, I, I I'm was... not kidding when I say I see him as like kind of a defense player of the year in the future. But like I don't know if it'll happen because the PR in the league for the Raptors is so poor. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Especially for like like you just you have to see like how 
marketable, <coughs> sorry, um, you have to see how marketable and charming and charismatic Pascal Siakam has to be in order to just get a little <laughs> drop of publicity yeah. in the NBA. But like, imagine someone like OG who doesn't speak <laughs> and gives one word and answer to the media. Like you see, oh, like every time I look at the TV, there's like Pascal like NBA ad with him cut into it, or an interview, or you know that ESPN special. Like there's always something going on, and people still don't even know about him. You know what I mean? Or don't know a lot about him. So you just have to imagine like a player like OG um, having that kind of camp for defense player of the year. I don't know if it's possible unless the Raptors go full force behind it. Maybe they can kind of work the propaganda <laughs> and get the conversation yeah. going. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited for his future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I also think it's pretty hard for uh, Wings to get defensive player of the year too. Yeah. Unless, I think the last one was Kawhi. And like, even that one was like, kind of debatable because, you know, Draymond Green. You know, he, I that think is, they won yeah. like 70 sense even that like you know a big man's just defense is just uh more impactful and then yeah but definitely a candidate even just being him getting votes it's like should be enough because oh and and the fact that he can defend uh centers so effectively kind of differentiates him from a from why as a defender you know what i mean Mm, like Like OG Goto with a freaking um what's his name nikola jokic like that's insane to me (laughs) yeah both of them. Yeah, just, yeah. I don't know. Everyone just should just uh, like and respect OG and, you know, just a very good player, very fun player. Just very exciting for his development. Um, this segment because, was yeah. uh, de- dedicated to Emma Brown on Twitter. <laughs> the biggest <laughs> yeah. fan that I have ever come across. <laughs> I know she's gleaming listening to this. So anyways, um, let's talk about uh, Terrence Davis. I see him as, I I think the Raptors initially tried to bring him in and had the idea of developing him as a one, but I don't, I I think he'll always be that predominantly two guy because the playmaking and the passing and the court vision is not very natural to him. He has that instinctual, like he wants to score. That's him. He's looking at the basket, whether it's getting to the basket or shooting into the basket. So um, I don't know if that development route is going to fit him. I don't think the Raptors should really even bother. I think they should just continue to cultivate what they already have with Terrence. But as is, I can like, I, I don't think he has any comps. He's He kind of reminds me of like, uh, kind of a Ray Allen. I don't know why. Maybe it's like the shooting plus the athleticism and the explosiveness. Um, I'm not saying he's going to be like that when he gets uh, into his prime, but I'm just saying that's kind of what his comp when I see him play. So what do you see for Terrence in the future? Um, where do you think his ceiling is? Um, I already think his floor, as is, is pretty high. <laughs> so um, I'm very mm. interested about his future. So what do you think? Uh, yeah, I love Terrence Davis. I'm really uh, high on him, especially even uh, when I was watching Summer League and he was on the Nuggets. I was just like, this guy, is, how did this guy go undrafted? But yeah, I definitely agree with you. At first, it was like people were saying, oh, like, why is Terrence Davis um, not a good playmaker? He's not a good point guard or whatever. I'm just like, it's okay because, you know, he's a really good scorer, really good shooter. Actually, like, which was surprisingly, he had really good shooting numbers. Yeah, a lot I of people like- say that, like, I don't, it's just a, um, I don't see it as a sustainable 
But like I look at his mechanics and it's like that he has a very fluid natural yeah. that I think that you can't really teach. Like he's not someone who has to build his shot from scratch. Mm-hmm. But it's, he has like a very natural mechanics. His whole body's into the shot. His release is kind of like he's not even thinking about it. So I don't see how it's not sustainable. He might dip. I see him as maybe like a high 30s. I don't think he's a 40% plus shooter. But mm-hmm. uh, his shots are very versatile it's not only catch and shoots he's coming off of screens which is insane like for a rookie who we didn't know could do that (laughs) Mm -hmm. i feel like every like spot of jumper that he takes like when he's wide open for threes make like i'm so confident that it's gonna go in like yeah just just definitely think he's a good shooter and yeah i definitely think he can just develop in a secondary ball handler but definitely not a point guard because um you know he doesn't have that playmaking instinct or um just vision but he can use his um, scoring gravity. Like, I've seen him use his scoring gravity to pass, whether it's like a dump off or just um, even pass to the corner. But, and he, he should just keep, you know, trusting that he's like a really good scorer and that he draws even multiple defenders because his first step is crazy. And he just has really good mechanics to go to the basket. The one thing I would like to improve on is... Um, I guess off-ball defense, but at the end of the day, he's a rookie, and yeah. rookies you know, are always He has bad. that short attention span where he loses yeah. his guy all, all the time. It reminds me of kind of like of a younger Norman Powell. Mm-hmm. Even Norm still kind of does that, or he sags off too much on a shooter. Um, but I think playing alongside um, Fred and Lowry will be so good for Terrence in, in developing his off-ball defensive skills. Um, but anything else you want to add? I feel like the confidence also, but it's a, it's just like so many, like, I'm really nitpicking because he's a rookie. Like, you know, um, I remember he had a week where he would just, he, can, he like had like five good games in a row. And then he just thought like, oh, like I'm the man. And like, when yeah. he's, like, when his confidence is high, he's really high. But when he missed like three shots in a row, he's like, all right, I'm done. I'm back. I'm back to being a rookie that's like, you know, doesn't want to take like crazy uh type of shots that he can make and i would like to see him uh shoot more pull-ups i've seen uh, i was just watching like some film and like he can i really could see him developing a good pull-up shooter especially in the pick and roll i'm just um trying to add more uh value on the court as a cutter and stuff like that because he's really athletic i just really like him as a player and i think he'll be um I don't know about core, but like borderline core player because I think he definitely has upside. He's only like 22. Also, that's not old. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I can see him being like a solid backup for Norm if Norm is like a starter next year or something. Um, mm-hmm. or, or like if they don't keep Norm, if they don't pay him because he's going to be entitled to like a decent pay raise, he's probably going to reject his um, player option or... Uh, um, so I, 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 I'm okay with it, knowing that we have a Terrence Davis, who's kind of like a less polished norm. Like he has athleticism, he has that shot, that scoring ability. So it's it's not it's not too bad. It's not too like bleak. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, you can replace Norm's production, especially in a few yeah. years. I think I've talked about that before with some so, pushback, but yeah. The like for um, Dewan Hernandez, like he's a rookie. He he was the second round pick for the Raptors but he literally didn't play um, at all this season I think he had a few stints in the G League um, but he's had a nagging like ankle injury that's been um, reoccurring um, so we didn't really get to see him play but I, I like the idea of him like he's he's like a, a combo like power forward center uh, 
really um and he has like kind of this roman ability that i'd love to see in action with a point guard on the court but luckily but unfortunately we hadn't um seen that come to fruition this season but the other undrafted guy uh is you know the best shooter in the euro league um so he's an old rookie he's 25 years old he had played um for a few years um in um, the EuroLeague. So um, I find his, I find, I find Matt Thomas really fascinating because it's always interesting for shooters. Like they can come out of nowhere. Like you look at Duncan Robinson in um, Miami, also an undrafted player, also in his mid 20s, who just exploded this year as like one of the best shooters in the NBA period. Um, and I don't see how Matt Thomas does not have that same future. Like I, I don't see. I think he's he's already a proven shooter. Um, I get. He, I think he can tweak his. Um, I think he's this season. He's been adjusting to NBA basketball, adjusting to the pace, to the athleticism of the other players. Um, I think that he needs to become more confident in shooting in tighter spaces, in coming off of screens more tightly. Um, they haven't. They don't even have plays written up for Matt Thomas in particular. Like. I can't imagine when they get to a point where he's in the rotation and Matt and Nick Nurse is actually writing up plays specifically for Matt Thomas to get a basket. So we're not even there yet. And I think we can all see the potential in him. Um, so what what about what do you think about uh, Matt Thomas's ceiling as, you know, a 25 year old rookie? Yeah, it's just really cool to have a guy that can just just run, runs all the way around like a J.J. Redick, uh, Duncan Robson. He just runs all the way around the floor and like three defenders are focused on him and that creates so much space. Like I definitely think he'll have like a gravity towards him because of that three point shooting. And I believe so much more in him after that Bucks game. Uh, if you remember when he was just for a quarter, just killing them and everyone's uh, literally no one in the Bucks was just like expecting it. But yeah, definitely um, could have that value as uh, Duncan Robinson, probably a little bit worse because Duncan Robinson is like, has a really impressive size. Like yeah, like, that's what I was actually going to mention. Like, yeah. um, and Matt in particular is not—he's not that small. Like, I know Duncan Robinson's like what six five or something, um, yeah, and I, I think, think Matt is six three. Uh, to be honest, I even think he's like six seven or something like that. He's actually really tall. I think yeah, he's like a small forward size. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but weirdly enough, I think that in terms of defense, I think that Matt has the higher upside out of like the like the white shooters, basically, with J.J. Redick, Duncan Robinson and stuff. And um, yeah. I don't know why, but this season, like, we are, we know that he was coming from a league where um, the defense is played very differently than in um, NBA basketball. Mm-hmm. But even though he has, um, I, I see his shortcomings as an off-ball defender, I've been kind of impressed with his on-ball defense, like his ability to stay in front of guys. I don't know if it's just me. Yeah, definitely not, like, a liability that I thought he was going to be, to be honest. He's, he's pretty impressive. I really like him. As, that's why um, I definitely think that that can make him stay on the floor. You know what I'm saying? That like how how can you really take off a guy that can guard at least one or two positions? Like I definitely think he can guard both uh, guard spots. I don't think he's gonna be someone that's gonna be like amazing point of attack defender. But yeah, if he improves his yeah. team defense, I don't think why he should be taking him off the what's it called? Like out of the rotation or anything. And just yeah. that I would want him to improve on. Which, which you already kind of touched on. It's just like uh, adjusting to the NBA pace because, you know, your league's slower and, mm-hmm. and be like really fast compared to other leagues. So 
just having that stamina and just like JJ not Redick. Only- not only that, but he's on the Raptors, who is like, I think they lead the NBA in transition offense. So, like, imagine <laughs> going to that pace of basketball. Yeah. Um, like, sometimes, yeah, it, it looks it looks like he's overwhelmed sometimes. Mm-hmm. But um, just seeing his effort, like, he's immediately adjusted to the culture. Just seeing his effort on defense has been really, like, just pleasant. Um, is I think those are all of our young players. Like, OG, we're still considering as a part of the the. <laughs> For youth of the team, like I always see him as that. I don't know why. Um, and no, yeah, you Pascal know, is like the, OG's in his prime now. Base. Sorry. OG's tied for I think uh, youngest player in the league. Yeah, and that's crazy. Ratchet, I think he's a couple months. Him and O'Shea. Yeah, yeah we talked about O'Shea, but him and O'Shea are the youngest. Oh yeah, players. O'Shea. Yeah, let's discuss O'Shea, yeah. the Canadian hometown guy. Yeah, uh, O'Shea has actually impressed me when. All the Raptors were injured and were basically playing like the G League Raptors, and like the he, he was just a, uh, yeah, especially that one, yeah. He just provided a lot of value, just hustling, uh, mm-hmm. playing as pretty sure he hit corner threes. Just a hustle type of player. I like the energy that he brought. Um, I've I'm seen I've seen him hit some corner threes, which would really add um onto his value. Just a really nice player, just coming off the bench. I don't know if he's gonna crack the rotation next year, but yeah, I don't know. He's um. Pretty intriguing. I, I kind of impressed. I didn't really expect anything from him. So yeah, me neither. Um, I would love to see him. Um, if we don't keep Rondé Hollis, uh, Jefferson, I don't mind O'Shea kind of taking that spot because I think they they kind of bring the same thing. Um, yeah. where they're they are like versatile wings and they can you know occasionally maybe I don't know play a small ball five. We saw Rondé kind of have success in those moments when he was like literally the functioning center for the Raptors. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I love his, um, uh, I, I think we saw him in the pick and roll with like Lowry or something a little bit. And I'm like, that is impressive for, for like, it, he's a three, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think yeah, he's he's a, he's a small forward. So like seeing him, um, function in that space was really cool. Um, and yeah, I can see him having success if, um, the Raptors don't retain Rondé, um, and seeing him part of, as a part of the rotation. So that would be cool. Um, yeah. So I think. Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, about Rondé. Just um, Rondé kind of like Nurse kind of caters to Rondé a lot. Like, I definitely think we should we should not probably not keep Rondé again. I know he's cheap, but just to have, I feel like O'Shea has more upside in that role, especially because he can actually hit the corner three and probably attempt it. Rondé does not attempt threes at all. Like he's like. Like he's like a worse Ben Simmons. Like on offense, he really stalls it. And yeah, I've never seen a shot like so deeply broken. <laughs> like his yeah, shot is just completely like it needs to be rebuilt from scratch. Like it's so yeah. so so broken. Like it does not look right. It doesn't. It doesn't even look like he can repeat it. Like the form looks different every time he does it. And so Lowry sits him in the paint just for him to drive. Like imagine yeah. how. Kyle gets the benefit if Nurse actually caters to his offensive game or OG or something like that. Like, how you have a point guard setting screens for you in the paint so he can drive, you know what I'm saying? It's like he kind of gets catered a lot. That's why, yeah. Like, you have, can you imagine? Like, they literally have their their leader like setting screens like, to get Rondé uh layup, he may not get in. <laughs> like, yeah, like it's crazy, but yeah, um, yeah, definitely I can see him as an energy guy. I like him a lot, it just brings good energy. Especially because you don't, you didn't expect that much from him. 
good, decent player. Yeah. But yeah, I think uh, that's everyone. So, um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Or I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think we did cover everything. Um, All right. Oh, wait, just some names I like to throw out there. I'm not going to go deep into them. Just some more prospects that people could just watch on YouTube if they're bored. Uh, definitely Leandro uh, Balmero. I talked about him on my YouTube channel. And yeah, he's a really good player. I don't know if he's in our range, but if you follow us, definitely pick him up. He has amazing upside. Um, Jalen Smith, also a good big man that can shoot and has upside as a rim protector. Um, even Nico Mannion, maybe, as a point guard. Yeah, just those three guys I think you guys should really check out. So, uh, Do you want to plug in your YouTube channel, too, just to remind the folks? Oh, yeah. Okay. And um, my channel is Submian Coach. Go subscribe to that, please. Um, I cover NBA, uh, college, high school even. And, yeah, just, you know, really well thought out. I try um, as hard as I can to, you know, make as detailed as possible. And I made a video about RJ Barrett. You know, everyone loves Canadian players in Toronto, so you should go check that out. Perfect. Um, thank you so much for being on the show, Robel. Uh, and thank you guys for listening to the Dishes and Dimes podcast. I'm your host, Yasmin. Um, and thank you for providing in-depth analysis of the draft, because I know this season in particular, a lot of people haven't been paying attention to it because the season was put on hold. But it's something that's coming up and it's something that's still going to be happening. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Peace out.